We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Has got him in a second back inside the 30 yard line. Nick Bosa drops Aaron Rodgers for a 13 yard loss. on everybody welcome to striking gold your 49ers podcast on the blue wire network my name is rob louder i cover the 49ers for blue wire joining me tonight my co-host number one stunner former nfl defensive back owner of rise athletics patreon.com backslash crock talk eric crocker <laughs> what's up man hey man i signed i signed my papers tomorrow papers for what for the loan for the building. No shit. Say, hey, yeah. normally Crocker gives me this scoop before we go live, but he's telling me for the first time right now. Yeah. So so you're building a new facility on the same land as your current facility? Yes. It's in a different spot. This one is right. definitely a better location. It's right off of the highway. But uh yeah, man. Yep. That's a huge deal, bro. It is. That's a huge deal. That's a huge deal. Now, have you gotten, I know you were also talking about buying a chunk of the land to eventually kind of do that whole thing with. Is, is that still a thing or one step at a time? Um, one step at a time, but from the talks that I've been having, it, it will be like a lease to own thing and not just for the land, but for the building as well. Wow. Yeah. So I, I got, I definitely got a good deal. Um, with everything, um, actually an amazing deal. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, God has put some great people in my life that 
that see the vision that I have and just wanted to contribute any way that they can. And, uh, yeah, they are helping make this whole thing happen. And it's going to be a big, a big thing, man. Really big. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I'm stoked. Yeah, man. Congratulations, dude. That's a, that's a pretty big deal. And starting a business is no joke. And I'm sure there's a statistic out there that says the vast majority of them don't work out, but I mean, so far so good for you, my friend. So far, so good. Yeah, so. yeah. So far, so far, so good. And I mean, obviously, for me, I've I started the process of everything back in January and kind of like got to build up. So it wasn't one of those things where, you know, with someone that is starting, you know, from scratch and just like, okay, I'm doing this. I'm taking this huge leap of faith. I took a leap of faith in the sense of like cutting off everything else I was doing and really so uh, focusing solely on that. Um. And, you know, so from that standpoint where there was no guarantee this was going to work out or anything, um, I took a huge leap of faith from that standpoint. And I really feel like when when you believe in something and you put all your chips in the middle of the table to make that thing work, uh, I feel like you, I don't know, it just turns you up and puts you in this different mindset to where it's like, look, like this is it. And I did it and it just started growing, growing, growing to the point where it was like, all right, like, okay, what, this is what the next step is going to be. So now the next step is about to happen. So that's, that's awesome. Yeah. Hell yeah, it is, dude. Hell yeah, it is. Now we were talking, uh, right before we went live. Um, let me, let me get his actual handle here. I don't want to talk about it. I, uh, you striking gold listeners are getting a little bit of a preview. The, the episode won't be published for a while. So it's not that big a deal, but at Colby underscore Daniels. Um, he runs his own like sports talk show host and podcast and he every year he does a like a 32 team first round mock draft where he gets somebody who podcasts about their team to make each individual pick for their respective teams. And the first two picks that had come off the board prior to mine were were what everybody expects in the draft. Trevor Lawrence, Zach Wilson, and I was adamantly I mean, I responded right away. Justin Fields, let's go. I did give maybe five seconds worth of thought to Trey Lance because I, I like I, you guys have heard me say it. I really think that he might have the highest ceiling of the crew, but again, he's probably quite a quite a, probably considered quite a bit more risky just by the circumstance. But so Justin Fields was it. You guys are getting a little preview. I will keep you updated as to when that episode uh, comes out. And there'll be a little segment in there from me where I talk about why that was the pick and, and we roll from there. But I know that that kind of brought up something interesting uh, from you, Crocker. So what was that? Because you haven't even told me yet. Yeah, so I'm 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 driving home, right? I just took my wife to the airport. Um, she's going off to um, Las Vegas for the week to be with her friends or whatever. And don't um, ask when she come, don't ask her what happens when she comes back. <laughs> I, hey, I, listen, I don't ask any questions, but, um, <laughs> hey, go have fun. Not too much fun. But, um, so I'm listening to my guys, John Middlecoff and Guy Haberman, and they bring up Adam Schefter, right? So we're going to kind of get into some of the discussion about Adam Schefter and like some of the things he's ma- said, like his comments and kind of scaling back on things a little bit or whatnot. But I guess, and I didn't hear Schefter say this. He must have said it, I think to Mayoko, maybe. Yeah, I think uh, it was yeah Mayoko. he did. Yeah, he was on on Matt Mayoko's podcast. I okay, think so his most recent episode of Forty ers Talk. So I got to check that out. I wish I would have listened to that before we recorded. But 
I guess he said he brought up Trey Lance and how Trey Lance is a realistic option. And again, and we're going to get into it. We don't know what's what, and I don't think anybody else does either. But I do think, you know, uh, Guy, Guy Haberman and John Middlecoff do a really good job of kind of piecing different things together and kind of using context. And I know, uh, Middlecoff was talking about how, you know, he texted uh, like a scouting buddy and he had popped in the film and he was talking about how he felt like Trey Lance would be a good, you know, fit. The, the crazy thing about Trey Lance, and this kind of all ties back into your pick, he is maybe the biggest unknown, but like how, you know, we kind of started this podcast talking about like putting all your chips in the table, taking a leap of faith. I think with someone like him, like when you move up and you're, you're taking the chance, you're taking the chance. If you feel like you're, he does things that you like and you believe because he is kind of still a blank canvas, a lot of the things that he misses on or whatever, they're very correctable, right? Remember back was a few weeks ago, I had a conversation with some coaches and do you want to let everybody know what the coaches said about between Trey Lance and Fields and who they preferred. Well, I know you said. Well, one you thought one of them maybe maybe due to a little bit of discontent for a higher yeah. state, right? Right, a little bit of bias. Yeah. Uh, but the majority of them preferred Trey Lance, and right, which was and weird. That, kinda, which, that that stuck with me because it's it's just significant. Go on, go on. It was interesting, right? Well, I always think like you know, I wonder if. Like, these aren't the only coaches that feel like that. And we've heard a lot of talk about how Atlanta was really high on Trey Lance, right? That was the spot where they were like, they're really high on him. Trey Lance, he's going to the Falcons. Well, the 49ers moved up in front of him. Now, I, I remember the hearing that that wasn't their number one destination. I mean, they called picks, you know, three, four, five, six, right? They, they call all those spots and they end up trading up to three. But I wonder if there was more intent to move up ahead of Atlanta because Atlanta had been hot on Trey Lance. I'm just, now this is me just kind of pick, uh, piecing things together. I'm not saying, course, you know, I, I don't, I don't know, but I do know we've said all along, it's hard to believe that they moved up and gave up that much resources for a guy like Mac Jones. We've said that a whole lot. And we also have said that we like Mac Jones, like both of us, just not not right there. And I went back and I watched more Mac Jones. And uh, the Mac Jones, he does a lot of things very well. I think he's the most, like, polished of the guys. I think he leaves the least amount of guessing work or feeling like you have to, like, reinvent him or anything like that. I think he is more of what you see is what you get with the ability to grow in an offense, right, um, and and do well. But I also noticed certain things as well. Watching some of his breakdowns with JTL Sullivan, he leaves a lot of passes short. And in the NFL, you, you, can't, you can't do that. Right. Like if like he's good with the timing over the middle and all that, like he can throw, make the anticipation throws. But if you want a guy to kind of like, okay, really be able to create those big plays. Like he, a lot of times what I noticed with him was his big play receivers. I mean, he's throwing the guys that are going to be going top 
15, right, with uh, Devontae Smith and Jalen Waddle. Like, they are better than the 49ers receivers. <laughs> like, you know what I'm saying? So he's giving those guys who are, you know, tremendous prospects, um, just, I'm just throwing it up and make, letting these guys go up and get it. And they are making the plays. But if he had more arm strength, if he had more high end ability, if he had more traits, those are passes that would be led in for touchdowns, which we're seeing from Justin Fields, which we're seeing from Trey Lance, where they're able to throw it out there, where they're able, they don't need to have the feet set. So there are some things I think Mac Jones like leaves you the desire and I don't think he can help it. And that's not to say that he, there aren't some beautiful deep balls by him, but there are enough over a couple games where I'm like, uh, yeah, he doesn't have the strongest of arms. He doesn't. So, you know, and that all kind of ties back to like, you look at Trey Lance and you see the offense that is coming from and what they say about it and everything I've heard, like every podcast I listen to, every video breakdown, and they talk about how much they put on Trey Lance's plate from, a, um, you know, setting the setting the blocking assignments, which like isn't normal, <laughs> you know, like for <laughs> no, that, uh, you know he was a 19 year old kid. Like that's the thing too. He's a 19 year old kid, you know, and he's setting blocking assignments and he's getting everybody set up. He's one of the few um, prospects that actually like they huddle up. He calls lengthy plays in the huddle, you know, gets everybody set up, points out blocking assignments and everything like that. Like all those things from a mental standpoint has that down packed. Then he has all the physical tools. Then you see he can make all the throws. Now it's just, can we coach up this 19-year-old or 20-year-old kid to be more consistent with other things and get him to understand what we want to do? And maybe that's why they are so hell-bent on keeping Jimmy Garoppolo around, right? And this isn't just a um, a recent thing with Jimmy Garoppolo. Like There were teams like the Patriots and other teams as well where Jimmy – they were like, no, we're not trading them. No, we're not moving them. No, we're not moving them. Right? Like that's been the thing. They're not moving Jimmy Garoppolo. So, I'm I'm interested to see how it all plays out. But you know, and I know I kind of went a little bit longer on this rant, but you, you, uh, you know, you you have to make this pick right now. And I know you said Justin Fields, and I'm like, man, I wonder if it's going to be Trey Lance. And I don't know, but it's just, it's, I don't know. It's just, it's all interesting. Well, I mean, I'm I'm glad you said all that because I don't consider it a rant. It's just good information, and the people listening to this podcast aren't going to consider that a rant either. It's just good shit. Like you know, if you if you have the opportunity and and the thoughts to piece together, then that's what we're here to do. So don't be worried about like rants and shit. But to me, I'm I'm pausing for a little bit because I want to make sure I say this right. To me, the Mac Jones pick represented. And it's hard for me to say this because I, I don't know better than the guys in the building. They put way more work this into this than I do. But at the same time, I'm not necessarily just going to discount my own opinion. I, I, I feel like I know enough to still have a, an opinion on the subject. And I felt like trading up to number three and giving up that amount of draft capital and then selecting Mac Jones, even if he ended up being good, it, it involved just kind of like a little, a, a little bit of like not negligence, but you know, kind of like what John Middlecoff said about that text he got, like Kyle Shanahan trading up to take Mac Jones at three would be the most arrogant thing, arrogant pick ever. And I feel like whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance, it represents the opposite of that, you know, and, and, and maybe depending on the way you look at it, Trey Lance would probably represent even more of a divergence away from what people expect 
than Justin Fields does because you're talking about a player who by probably most accounts probably would be considered a higher upside in Trey Lance over Justin Fields, but it, but is even further into the territory of the unknown, like you said. And that was kind of what was frustrating everybody is like, is Kyle Shanahan really trading up this far just to, just to take somebody who, you know, is like, he's not a guarantee, but everybody knows what he is already. And Justin Fields, upside. Trey Lance, even more upside, but a lot of risk. And at the same time, so my point being is whatever feelings of positivity I would have towards picking Justin Fields, I would also have towards picking Trey Lance. And there would also be a part of me that maybe was even more impressed with that pick just based solely on the fact that it's very clear that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan are all in. Does that make sense? You know, yeah. like, like they are, they are, all the chips are on the table and they don't care what the risk is because they feel like this is the dude and let's do it. Yeah. And there you is know? more, there is more of that projection, right? Like there, you know, and we talked about Mel Kuyper. And Scouting like, with gotta, anticipation. You gotta, yeah. You got to scout with anticipation. And this is something that is risky, but trading up. Trading, you know, and now using three first round picks on one player, like that's risky in itself. <laughs> you know? So it's like, it doesn't get any riskier than that. Like you, you use all this capital on a guy. Why not go with a guy that could possibly give you the highest upside and ability? And, you know, I do think whether it's Justin Fields or Trey Lance, I think both of them give you that. Now, now when it pertains to Mac Jones, again, I, I don't dislike Mac Jones. I just wouldn't pick him there. Matter of fact, and I'm been on record of saying it, I wouldn't have gave up all that to trade up for Trey Lance either. You know, just because there is so much projection. But at least I still can like be like, all right, like, you know, he's gonna just have to learn. And I almost would feel like you just gotta play him. Like, you know, because he hasn't played football in a while and he's young. So it's just like just give him all the reps he needs. But um and I don't know if they'll do that because I feel like they they they, they feel like this team is ready to go right now. But, um, yeah, man, it's just Mac, Mac Jones, I really like him. And I don't want to be one of those people that just like, you know, dog him or, or talk bad on him. I just think it's a little bit more what you see is what you get, which is not bad. I think he's a good quarterback, but I think it's just kind of that that's kind of more what, what you're getting from him. Well, and if you're trading up to three overall, you're not looking for good. You know, you're not. You're not taking a swing at a good quarterback hoping that he ends up being a little better than you thought he was. You're trading up for somebody that you consider like a very good to elite, you know. So, and Mac Jones was never in that conversation for me. He, I have, we, you, we've mentioned it many times. You and I both have all, have liked Mac Jones for a while, but it, it was never in as a consideration. The moment we trade, the, the 49ers traded up to third overall was the moment that, to me, Mac Jones fell out of the equation because he just didn't carry with him that kind of dra- that that kind of stock. So um, that's just the way I feel now. Yeah, I'm trying to. I had a thought going on Trey Lance, but now I can't figure out what what I was going to say. Um, but there is a lot there that you you got to be kind of just impressed with, and the 49ers might be thinking like, look. This guy's already calling his own protections and, you know, he's, he's doing play action all the time. He's got a massive arm. He's a massive dude. He, 
I mean, the guy, NFL linebackers will not want to go heads up with him. Like he's Trey Lance is just a, a beast. He's a, he's a big, thick, strong, strong armed, but he still does all the quarterback things well. So I don't know. It, it, it's risky, but at the same time, again, I, I'm trying to figure out the way to say it. I would still have a lot of respect for that pick because it's like, you know that John Lynch and Kyle Shanahan, if they're if they're trading up that much to get a guy like Trey Lance or even Justin Fields, because they're, I mean, they're in the same ballpark as far as a prospect goes. They're not worried about the chances that it's not going to work out. That's that's not part of their thought process. They've scouted the player they've identified the traits that they love and they felt it was worth the move and now they're doing it and i don't really think there's anybody out there that would really have a problem with that especially with where the 49ers are right now they're one of those rare teams and the reason that a lot of early draft picks don't work out when it comes to quarterbacks because they're typically drafted to teams that suck or have stupid situations and stupid right. coaches and coaches that are about to get fired and coaches, you know, the, you know, different offensive coordinators. That's why a lot of these early round rookie quarterbacks don't work out. And the 49ers are just one of those exceptions that when a new quarterback lands in a situation like that, it's not whether or not they're going to work out is like, okay, how good is this guy going to be in this situation? Because he's got everything going for him. Well, if, if he was going to work out, this would be the situation it works out. So the biggest thing that we need to talk about, and 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 I and we it could apply to both Justin Fields and Trey Lance, is the fact that, and I, I want to say this, I, I should have already said this, and I said it on Twitter, but if you are an avid listener of the Strike and Gold podcast and you wondered what the hell happened last week, we recorded both of our Sunday and Wednesday normal time episodes on the locker room. And what happens in the locker room, and I'm, and I'm not going to try and drag through them through the mud right now because I love the app. They're brand new. They're trying to get everything going, and I respect what they're doing. I really, really do. But the one part of that process that always gave me a little bit of you know a, a nervous feeling was when you get done recording your locker room session and you close the room, about 15 minutes later, they email you the audio file of everything that happened in that locker room session, which in theory is great. Like it's so easy. It, it's, it's, it's just very simple. But my pause was what happens if something goes wrong with that email and we just don't get ever get our audio. And that happened twice last week on, on Sunday and Wednesday. So we had no audio and I just simply don't have the time to jump on here again and record another hour ish podcast. You know what I mean? So yeah. that's the only reason that we we kind of went dark last week. And we're not on the Locker Room app right now because of that. And I, and I do have faith that those guys are going to get it figured out. They'll get it locked down, and we'll jump back on there. Me and Croc kind of talked about the idea of maybe just recording, you know, two podcasts a week normally through our normal app and then still jumping on the Locker Room app at least once a week to kind of, you know, get that get that done as well. So. For those of you that are wondering what happened to the podcast last week, last week, I'm sorry, that's what happened. What I was going to say was, and, and again, this applies to both Justin Fields and Trey Lance, was in the beginning, 49er fans were losing their shit because every NFL source out there was saying, Mac Jones, it's Mac Jones. The pick's going to be Mac Jones. This is Mac, the 49ers traded up to three to take Mac Jones. Mac Jones, Mac Jones, Mac Jones. And everybody was like, what the fuck? <laughs> really, I mean that's that's the best I can sum it up. But Crocker, as of the last maybe week, 
week and a half, what have we started to see? We've seen some, some, some Deion Sanders type backpedaling just a little <laughs> bit, right? Like softening up on their original stance, you know, especially like with Adam Schefter, it was, oh, the pick is Mac Jones. The pick is Mac Jones, right? Quote unquote. Um, it's going to be Mac Jones. Yeah, it's going to be Mac Jones. Uh, everyone mocked Mac Jones to the 49ers. Um, Ian Rappaport was saying it was, Gonna be Mac Jones. God bless you. Um, everything, <laughs> I, I had a little pickle. Um, everything that was coming out was, is Mac Jones. And that's what everybody strongly believed, right? And then you see the guys from PFF and they're like, well, hold on. You know, we were kind of told that's what it We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed was and now you know we are you know that was people's gut feeling and basically that started the little backpedal and then Ian Rappaport comes out and he softens up his take and then now Adam Schefter comes out and says well you know Trey Lance and so it's like you said it was Mac Jones and again I have to listen to what he says I'll listen to it before I go to sleep tonight but you said it was Mac Jones and now you're bringing Trey Lance into the mix. So that's my thing where I think it kind of goes back to what we were saying previously. I don't think anybody knows who the pick is outside of the 49ers. And there's just a lot of speculating going on. Striking Gold is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? Is what the 49ers going to do with the third overall pick stressing you out? Or maybe it's something a little more personal. BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It is professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in many areas. The service is available for clients worldwide, you can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they can make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. 
BetterHelp wants you to start living a happier life today. Visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily. Visit BetterHelp.com slash gold. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of an experienced professional. In fact, so many people have been using BetterHelp that they are recruiting additional counselors in all 50 states. Special offer for Striking Gold listeners. Get 10% off your first month at BetterHelp.com slash gold. That's BetterHelp.com slash G-O-L-D. Well, and that is what um, Ian Rappaport had to say when he spoke to Rich Eisen, right? It was Rich Eisen. Mm-hmm. Um, he said that, like, he still considered Mac Jones the favorite, but had gotten to a point where he said that he felt like kind of the NFL world needed to, to pump the brakes a little bit on the Mac Jones to the 49ers stock because, for the most part, that was just speculation and people's gut feelings as to what Kyle Shanahan would want to do with that pick. And that there were only and, – and we've heard other reports from Albert Breer that kind of echoed this, is that there's only a few people in the building, in the 49ers building, that know currently – I'm not going to say that the pick is a lock already. Like, they've already decided. I kind of want to say that, given the fact that they already made such a massive trade. To me, when you make that trade, you have a large, you have a you have a, a, a you have a heavy preference, and you have a very solid idea of that that person's going to be there. And you're like, okay, let's do it. Now, could they still be deliberating? Absolutely. But Rap Sheet said that there's only a few people in that building that even know who it's going to be, and they're not saying shit. Now, one thing we did also talk about was Adam Schefter being so sure of the pick. And apparently, I, I was I was made aware of his relationship with Mike Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's dad. I didn't know how close they were, but then literally, Wall Crocker and I were on um, a little video a video session earlier earlier in the week. He said a lot of people said, "Oh well, Adam Schefter wrote Mike Shanahan's book," and it's like, damn. <laughs> like, so again, that is a, that is obviously. Writing a book with somebody is a very intimate process. It takes time and a lot of time spent together and talking because it's just how it has to be done. But at the same time, Croc said this too. Like if if Mike Shanahan has such a close relationship with Adam Schefter, then I mean, is is Kyle Shanahan really going to tell something to Mike Shanahan that he feels like can't get out? And in addition to that, is Mike Shanahan really going to tell something to Adam Schefter that he feels like is going to put his son and his son's team? in a rough place. So I definitely think there's credence to that relationship, but at the same time, you just, it's not like it's a hidden thing. It's not like Kyle Shanahan would forget that his dad's close friends with Adam Schefter and accidentally let something slip. And then Mike's like, here you go. And then everybody's like, it's Mac Jones. So it's just been an interesting, and now like Crocker said, even Adam Schefter's starting to kind of, backtrack a little bit so it's just been this weird kind of whirlwind of people just changing their minds you know what started as everybody being so sure of themselves was eventually walked back towards oh no no this is just our gut feeling right. and it, it would it's it's just been a little 
a little hard to hard to keep track of. But you know, when you really watch, when you really watch Mac Jones, I could see why that is their initial gut reaction. Like when you know, with what you know about Kyle Shanahan and the guys that he has had and the guys that he has wanted. And, and you watch Mac Jones and you see the things that he's capable of doing and what he's doing and really the com- complexity of the offense from Alabama. Like, you know, like it was more, it wasn't pro style from the standpoint of under center play action, like that type of stuff, but just like the concepts that they were running and how he was understanding it and the throws he was making, it was definitely very like pro style from that standpoint. So like when you see that and you kind of put it together with, you know, Kyle Shanahan, like, I, I see why people say that and why they had that feeling. So, like, if Mac Jones is the pick, I would not be shocked after watching and, you know, a ton of breakdowns and a ton of his film and videos. And, I mean, really, I mean, me saying it in October, right? Like, oh, this is the most Kyle Shanahan-style quarterback. I, I mean, like, that was in October I said that. Um, You know, but, like, even now, like, where, you know, we kind of have seen a lot more from Mac Jones and, you know, you – you you can see why that's the gut feeling, you know, and it's a little bit harder, I think, for a lot of people to either process or project a guy that is more of an athlete in, you know, in, and then put that into Kyle's offense. And is that something that Kyle wants based off of some of the things that Kyle has said, um, at least, in you know, in the past? But again, like, I feel like anybody can kind of change their view slightly. I've talked about my view on these style of quarterbacks and, um, you know, but oh, we lost those audios in, in the locker room. But basically, like what I talked about was if you were to talk to my close friends, and, and this is kind of what's going on with Kyle Shanahan and like Chris Sims, right? So say like, say I'm Kyle Shanahan and my friends are like Chris Sims. If you were to ask my closest friends, what style of quarterback I would want, they would be like, oh, Eric don't want the black quarterbacks. <laughs> like, you know, because mm. like my, my thing was always like, man, I, I want my play like executed from the pocket. Like that was always been my thing. And it wasn't until like the last year or so where I really kind of started to change the way I thought, but not so much because, uh, oh, you just, you know, cause that's what you hear now a lot, right? Like you hear, oh, well, is the game is changing. You got to be more mobile. You got to be that. And to me, like, yeah, I mean, I kind of can see that. But, no, you can still play from the pocket. That's not why I've kind of changed my tune. I've changed my thought process on this because I've seen quarterbacks who can do both. And I think you see it more now than ever, right, where before it was more so of, well, read, take off. Like, you know, Colin Kaepernick was like that. You know, it was like, okay, like, I'm, I'm going to take off where they are more – athletic with traits and, and, you know, kind of still kind of not being like a pass first type guy, right? Like just not like a pure passer. And now guys are just developing into where they are really athletic, but they're, they're passers and they're passers first. And then, but you can utilize their legs and stuff. And now I've changed my tune on like what I would like from a quarterback because of what we're seeing coming out. Now, and I think that's going to continue to happen with like the Spencer Rattlers and, you know, guys like that. Like they're going to continue to be the Jaden Daniels from uh, ASU. Like there's going to be a bunch of athletes that are coming out that are passers first. And if I change my tune on it, even though I'm not like an offensive guy to the standpoint of Kyle Shanahan 
or any type of importance like that, I still could see a guy like Kyle Shanahan being like, well, I, I see, I see the type of quarterbacks that are coming out that are changing and you can just do more with them. And now he's in the position to where he can grab a guy like that. Right. And I, and just like everything else, I, I would assume that Kyle Shanahan would realize how much having a guy with that kind of mobility of Justin Fields and Trey Lance, how much that would open up his offense. And the, he loves running the ball. And it just gets so much more difficult when the quarterback can run the ball too. And, and so I would think that Kyle Shanahan would want something like that. I would think that would be a part of his decision-making process when you decide to trade from 12 to three and give up, you know, two first, two future first round picks in the process. I would just think that having that versatility and having a quarterback that just truly threatens a defense. And, and it's, and it's not to say that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't threaten defenses. And it's not to say that Mac Jones didn't threaten defenses at times, but it's just, you know, how scared of them are they? How many different ways can that quarterback beat you? And with both Justin Fields and Trey Lance, we've seen that they have no problem taking people to town through the air, deep ball, and everything in between. And then when stuff doesn't work out, they run their ass off. And I feel as far as the two quarterbacks goes, Justin Fields, he's faster. He's quicker. He's still a big dude. I think he's 6'2", and he's he's very well built. But I Who? think Trey Lance is closer Fields? to Justin Fields. Yeah. He's yeah. six, yeah, he's like close, right at around six three. Like he's like a shade under six three. Okay. Well, that's even bigger than I thought of because I figured you would have said like a shade under six two. Nah. So he's a, he's a little bit bigger than I thought he was. And Trey Lance, I think we, and I think we talked about this. I think he's a shade under six four. Right. Right. Like he's, and, and he's got a, a pretty serious build. They're both big. They're both big. Justin Fields just looks faster. Trey Lance isn't quite as fast as Justin Fields, but he just runs like the, like he just runs kind of like a bully. So they're well, both you know, super impressive. At this point, we're kind of splitting hairs. I, I know we go off for the forty yard dash, but I, I stand by this. I don't think Justin Fields runs on the field like a four four. You know, you I, faster or slower? No, yeah, slower. Like I, I don't think okay. he plays at that four 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 speed. And obviously, I mean, he's a quarterback, so, you know, you know, it's not like you have to just run hella fast. But I'd say, like, on paper, and I know, um, Trey Lance, he didn't, he didn't run his 40, but I would say on paper, his 40 would probably be slower. It'll probably be like a 4-6. But when you watch them, just how they move and how they run, I'd see it, I'd say it's very, it's pretty similar. Now, the difference might be like, if you just see it up close and see, you know, fields take off, you might say, nah, fool, that dude's hella faster, right? But <laughs> just on film, I just kept seeing Dak Prescott, Dak, Dak Prescott, like Dak Prescott. Like that was all I kept seeing. And Dak Prescott's not uh, a 4-4 four, four, nothing, right? Now I'm not saying like he's yeah. a 47 guy like Prescott, but I'm just saying like that, like that was just what it looked like. There's just the, the speed, the athleticism where it's like, yeah, he's a plus athlete. Like he's a really good athlete. But I, I you know, you know how NFL.com does their like their like player comparisons or NFL comparisons? Mm-hmm. Well, they compare Trey Lance to Josh Allen 
and they compare Justin Fields to Dak Prescott. <laughs> oh wow! See, so, so I've been like, saying the Dak Prescott thing like that's what it looked like. To yeah, me. right. And I yeah, and I and I've kind of felt that, and they I mean they went through the same damn school too. That Trey Lance had a lot of the same traits as as Josh Allen did. Josh Allen had a lot more playing time, um, but at the same time, they you just kind of saw the same the same things from them. So. To me, going back to what we started with, I wouldn't fault the 49ers for going either direction. I think that both of them represent a new, kind of a new era for the 49ers, a new, a completely different type of quarterback than we've seen from that team going back to, going all the way back to Colin Kaepernick. And even then, I think both of these guys are much more refined than Colin Kaepernick was as far as the way they play the game. You know, they're both, they're both very much passers that just happen to be athletes and can run all over you. So, I mean, I don't want to get too far into that. But it would just be different, man. And it's exciting to think about the possibility of the 49ers having – and when I say Colin Kaepernick, and obviously the 49ers kind of had that chance, but we've never seen what Kyle Shanahan would do with a quarterback like Colin Kaepernick that brings – those skills to the table going all the way back to RG three. So to get to see that again and see what new wrinkles Kyle Shanahan would create for something like that, just it is, it's, it's, it's exciting to think about, you know, it's just exciting to think about what the 49ers would be like and heaven forbid somebody throw the ball more than 30 yards downfield at these damn receivers and let them do their damn thing. Uh, and, and kind of all that is what I feel like we'd be getting, which is cool. Right. Um, it's cool. Now, the one interesting thing, and at this point, we're kind of bordering on old news because, again, we talked about these things throughout last week, uh, but the audio never made it through. Uh, the 49ers did call and were very interested in trading for Sam Darnold, which I thought, I mean, that, the interest in, in that, the discussion in that only goes so far. They were just looking into it, and when they looked into it, uh, the New York Jets weren't ready to trade Sam Darnold yet, and then we knew eventually he ended up going for you know, a sixth and then a fourth and a second. And one of the things Crocker and I talked about during the locker room session was, would you rather have Sam Darnold for a sixth this year? I think it's a sixth this year and then a fourth and a second next year, if I'm not mistaken. Or hey. would you, what were you going to say? Oh, no, go ahead. Would you rather have Sam Darnold for that price or Mac Jones for the cost of, essentially three first round picks once you make the selection. And the answer was pretty easily Sam Darnold under those circumstances. Right. 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 So, I mean, to me, what I, the point I was getting at when I asked Crocker, that was how bad the value is for Mac Jones at that pick, how bad I feel it is. It's still just my opinion. It just, to me, if, you know, it would, the choice is so easily Sam Darnold in that situation just tells me that the value is just not there at third overall for Mac Jones. You know, if you're willing to accept Sam Darnold, who could still be good, has shown that he sucks and didn't go for much, you know, I mean, I felt like it was a fair trade, yeah. but it's, you just, you, you, that would be the obvious choice in that situation, you know? And my, again, the point I'm making is it just seems like so much to pay for someone like Mac Jones. And it kind of makes me believe like, it's just hard to believe that would be the way they're going. And now with everybody kind of backpedaling, we'll see. We still have plenty of time. We have over two weeks until the draft. 
We'll see, closer to three weeks than anything. And we'll see. But it's just hard to believe, man. It's just hard to believe. At this point, Crocker, do you, where are your, your personal feelings on the subject? Do you, what do you, in your heart of hearts, what do you think is happening on April 29th? I think it is. As of right now, dude, like I really have no idea. <laughs> like I have no I, idea. I the fair. only thing I know is that it'll be a quarterback. Like I, I, I don't <laughs> know. And I think most people like, well, no, I think it's going to be Mac Jones. If you would have asked me this a week ago, I'd say, I think it's going to be Mac Jones. And now, you know me, I'd have been fine with that, whatever. I mean, I just would rather take fields and I hope he doesn't make you guys look stupid, you know? But if now, like asking me today, I literally have no idea which way they're going with this. I, I can see it being fields. I can see it being Mac Jones. And I definitely, I can see it being Trey Lance. I have no idea. Well, I do that, know I this. It was, uh, whatever it was guy Eric it Davis. is, you, you, well, I was going to say, whatever guy it is, I feel like he's he's coming to a great situation for him, wh- whoever it is. Yeah, I agree. I agree. That Yeah, kind of like what I mentioned earlier. Anybody, it's not your typical, it's not your typical early round quarterback pick. Because the 49ers, 49ers shouldn't have even been at 12. And the only reason they were at 12 is because Jimmy Garoppolo missed so much time. The 49ers didn't even have any right to be at 12. And then they got, they, they got cute and traded all the way up to three. So you're talking about a team that realistically, if Jimmy Garoppolo would have played most of the season last year, I feel like the 49ers would have been picking, you know, in the twenties, mid twenties. And. They were, they weren't. Jimmy Garoppolo didn't play. They picked 12th. They traded up to three. And now you've got a team picking third that is, uh, a playoff contender easily. Yeah. Obviously that depends largely on how the quarterback play goes and who's behind center. But at the same time, you, you, point being teams like this don't usually pick third overall. So the 49ers are putting whatever quarterback they take into a great situation. I'm right there with you, though. I have no idea. Eric Davis tweeted earlier today saying, it's okay to just say you don't know who the 49ers are taking at three, (laughs) (laughs) which is 100% where we're at. Obviously, we don't know. I don't even have a – I don't even have a clue, man. When this whole process started, when the 49ers first traded up to three overall, I I I had a feeling it would be Trey Lance. But that's gone, come and gone, and and gone and come and gone and left, and, and it's just I I don't I have no idea, man. I have no idea. Well, the the cool thing is there there's a couple more pro days coming up. You know, one on the 14th, I believe, and then one on the 19th. Yep, yep, yep. So um, the 14th is Justin Fields. The 19th is Trey Lance. Yep. So. You know, we're going to see, you know, again, and we talked about it on, we actually talked about it on the YouTube, how seeing, seeing a player up in person, you know, up close and personal, I think sometimes that can change how you feel about a guy too. And we talked about how that changed John Lynch and how he viewed Patrick Mahomes. He went to Patrick Mahomes pro day as a smoke screen and walked away thinking, Damn, this dude's kind of good, uh, Kyle. You might want to like take a look at him. <laughs> Kyle's like, no, nah, I'm good. Got Kirk Cousins coming in, <laughs> you know. But um, now, you know, like when you see somebody up close and personal, and people think like, oh, the pro days don't mean anything. Like you got the film, and, and that's true. 
but just sometimes being in that person's presence, especially when you see someone like a, a, a Justin Fields who, you know, you get to feel that confidence, that swagger, you know, and then see the way the ball just comes out of his hand and zips and, and just hear it ripping and hitting the receiver's gloves that just kind of, that can do something different for you. And the same thing with Trey Lance, just looking at him like, wow, this is a well-built 20-year-old, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. dang, this is a powerful-looking 20-year-old. Look at the arm, look at the, you know, strength. And you get to see, too, hey, how has he progressed since the last time we saw him throw at the first pro day? Because he's been working the whole time with his quarterback coach, Quincy Avery. You know, is he getting better at some of the things that he was a little inconsistent at, you know, with his, uh, you know, mechanics and things like that? It sounds like he's he's been coming along with it. Has he taken even another step? Because those things can be very encouraging when it comes to drafting a player. And, again, seeing it up close and personal. And then don't put Trey Lance on the board because you put Trey Lance on the board, he's coming from an offense that asked a whole lot of him. And that's probably going to make you like him even more. And it sounds like he's a great dude and he must be some kind of good dude because he's dating Colin Cowherd's daughter, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, you know, there's just, I think there's a lot of things to like with, with, with Trey Lance and a pro day and seeing that up close and personal might, might really help to be honest. Well, and one thing I think that we should close with is when we did our, our, mm-hmm. the, the video thing on Friday, I think it was, um, you talked about – okay, so I started off by saying that a lot of people think these pro days are incredibly easy because they're scripted throws. There's nobody there. There's obviously not a defense. But they don't even mention the fact that you're in a – you're usually – you know, you're on a football field, whether it's indoors or outdoors. There's about 150 people standing there watching you, and every single one of them is either a high-level scout within their organization, or it's just straight up the GM and or the head coach, and they're all standing there watching you. No one else, not the offensive linemen, not your receivers. The, the offensive linemen are not even there. I'm just saying it's it's not like a football game where it's you and the team, and you're out there, you're doing your thing. Everybody's just standing there watching you. You could hear a pin drop. It's a very, very high-pressure situation. And to a lot of these guys, Playing in a damn game with stakes on the line is probably less pressure because it's more natural to them than it is to step into these pro days and throw for all these GMs. And so, yeah. mm-hmm. it, it, to me, it's 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 understated the effectiveness of these pro days. It, it, NFL teams know that the pressure that's being put on them in that situation is not that far off of what they're going to feel in a game. And obviously there's going to be a defense out there and there's other factors, but this is not just a walk in the park for these guys. As a lot of people think it is, it's a, it's a very high stakes environment. And you went on to describe your experiences in those types of situations. So that's what I think we should end with because it was a pretty entertaining stuff. Yeah. Well, it's... Tell everybody who hadn't heard it already, <laughs> you how it was to do those workouts, bro. It's essentially like, the biggest job and interview of your life. And if you can imagine having your job or interview and you just sitting there, all right? So just imagine this, right? Like we've all gone to job interviews where it's you and there's a person across from you and you know that you kind of have to sell yourself to this person, right? Well, with, with these workouts, it's you and just admit, just imagine across the table, 
70 guys from the front office and you're right there sitting there and you have to impress every single one of those guys and everything that you say, everything that you do, all of your mannerisms, if you scratch your head the wrong way or, or if you scratch your head or blink a certain way, they are noting everything that you do. Like just kind of imagine that type of pressure and how you would handle that. And that's essentially what a pro day is like, you know, um, my NFL workouts, I had three different workouts and they were all kind of different, but I know the most hectic one, the one where I felt like, Ooh, man, this is a whole lot of pressure. Um, the Philadelphia Eagles, they flew me in. And, um, when I had my workout, it was just me working out and the 70 guys from their front office watching me, 70 guys from the front office, just watching and looking at my every move, my every step. And even a guy like me who, you know, I've played, um, you know, I played in front of, well, coming from a D2, I didn't play in front of like huge crowds, but, um, I know my first game of my junior year, we played Southern University and there was over 50,000 fans. Like it was packed. Um, that was a big time game. Um, you know, I played in arena league where this, the arenas are smaller, but they're packed. So you're still playing, you know, at least that year, like you, I was still playing in front of a lot of people. Um, that was nothing compared to working out in front of those 70 people for the Philadelphia Eagles. And then to turn around and my next workout is in front of the New York Jets. And I got Rex Ryan and John Idzik and Tim McDonald and Dennis Thurman and, you know, all these people, they're just watching me and my every move. And like, there is, it's, it's the biggest job, job interview you'll ever have. And regardless of how many times you feel like you've thrown a football or backpedaled or caught a football, that pressure of that, knowing what's on the line, it's big. In a game, you you can throw an incomplete pass, and it's whatever. I'm going to have another pass. In a workout, one of those private workouts, that one, like, that miss, it just feels like it's just like a 100 misses. <laughs> and it's just one, you know. Um and we saw that, right? We saw, and you want to kind of see how somebody can handle it. Look at what Mac Jones did, right? He came out and he was missing throws left and right. And eventually he kind of settled in, right? But you, you could see he was pressing. He felt that pressure from every, all the eyeballs being on him. And then go to Justin Fields where he didn't miss. And you just saw like a different kind of like confidence, a different kind of like swagger, a different way of like how he was walking and carrying himself and like it was just easy for him. Some people, they, they can just do it and handle it. And others, even though we've seen Mac Jones play really good on, on in the biggest game of his life, right? National championship. But even then, that's more of, okay, my, my offensive coordinator, he calls a play. I got all these big time playmakers. You know, I got Devontae Smith and, you know, all these guys out here. And okay, I, Najee Harris, like, dude, my dude's got me. Like, we're good. When you go to this workout, this pro day, the only person that got you is you. And that's, that's tough. So I'll end on that, but there's a lot more pressure with these pro days than I think people really expect or understand. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and I think the last thing that I would add was just a great quote from, um, Daniel Jeremiah that said, look, if, if pro days were a waste of time, nobody would go to them and you wouldn't have these NFL GMs and head coaches that have incredibly busy schedules with at this time of year 
uh, you know, they, there's always something to do right now and they wouldn't waste their time with these pro days if they didn't mean anything. So, uh, with that being said, enjoy them. I, I think we'll be on here before, um, Justin Fields pro day, which is on the 14th. That's on Wednesday. Well, no, we record on Wednesday. So whether it's just straight up jumping on here or jumping on the locker room app, we might have to try and <laughs> roll a locker room app for that one. Cause we know everybody's going to want to talk about Justin Fields pro day or his second pro day. So um, we will, uh, we'll be on here. Hopefully if we do a locker room app, y'all are getting the audio, you know, we're, we're working through that stuff, but y'all know what it is. So I uh, appreciate you, whether it was, uh, whether you're one of our, our, our loyal fans hopping in the locker room app or you're just listening to the pod. I appreciate it. Thank you for all the support. We plan to be back on here again on Wednesday, and it sounds like we will be breaking down Justin Fields' pro day and what we saw from there. And hopefully Kyle Shanahan doesn't wear a mask, um, socially distanced, of course, so we can see all of his facial expressions and talk about them frame by frame and what they might mean for the 49ers draft pick. So, Crocker, any last words, man? Nah, man. Uh, man, that damn draft can't come soon enough. <laughs> Uh, I'm tired. I'm tired of speculating. They're speculating. We're speculating. We're um, speculating about the speculating. <laughs> yeah, man. Me too, brother. Me too, man. I feel that. But all right, guys. You already know what it is. That's Eric. I'm Rob. This is Striking Gold. And for another episode, we are signing out. Peace.